you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. I want to go on a monster roller coaster ride with my brain. Anyway, I don't know what that's all about. Who wrote that beginning thing? Hi, folks. Chris Moss here in the com. The com. Hey, we uh, certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks for being here once again after all these years. We have an amazing author on the show. He's written an amazing book, and you're going to want to see it, hear it in every place you can. Make sure you're further show your friends, neighbors, relatives. Uh, get them involved in the show. Put your arm around them. Hold them close. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, I love you, man, and uh, you should subscribe to the Chris Foss Show podcast. Remind him that we're the family that loves you but doesn't judge you. It's kind of weird that way. It's either a cult or, I don't know, it's one of those love things that you do when you sit around a hut and smoke a bunch of weird weed or something. I don't know what that means, but maybe you do. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. Go to YouTube.com, for slash Chris Foss. Uh, hit the bell notification button. Go to Goodreads.com, for slash Chris Foss. Here, big group on LinkedIn. Subscribe to the LinkedIn newsletter and all that good stuff. You know the drill. So we're excited to announce my new book is coming out. It's called Beacons of Leadership, Inspiring Lessons of Success in Business and Innovation. It's going to be coming out on October 5th, 2021. And I'm really excited for you to get a chance to read this book. It's filled with a multitude of my insightful stories, lessons, my life, and experiences in leadership and character. I give you some of the secrets from my CEO Entrepreneur Toolbox that I use to scale my business success, innovate, and build a multitude of companies. I've been a CEO for, uh, what is it, like uh, 33, 35 years now. We talk about leadership, the importance of leadership, how to become a great leader, and how anyone can become a great leader as well. Or order the book wherever fine books are sold. And today, oh my gosh, hot off the presses. This baby is hot off the presses as of two days ago. It's just steaming still. It has that beautiful, you know, fresh ink smell that you can get high on still. The man who invented motion pictures, a true tale of obsession, murder, and the movies is the title of the book that just came out. Paul Fisher is on the show with us today. He's going to be talking to us about his amazing book that he's gone into. He is an author and film producer based in the United Kingdom. His first book, Kim John Il Production, has been translated to date into 12 languages. It was nominated for the Crime Writers Association's Nonfiction Book Award. It was chosen as an Amazon Best for of the Year nonfiction selection, one of Library Journal's top 10 books of the year, and one of NPR's best books of the year. It was also nominated for a Goodreads Choice Award for history and biography. He's written for the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, the Independent, among other others. Welcome to the show, Paul. How are you? Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm good. How are you? There you go. Thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Congratulations on the new book. Give us your .coms or wherever you want people to look you up on the interwebs. Sure. Website is paulfisherauthor.com. That's Fisher with an S and a C, the nice Mm -hmm. old-fashioned German way, paulfisherauthor.com. And I'm on uh, Twitter at tencents77, T-E-N-C-E-N-T-S-7-7. There you go. There you go. So uh, this is your second book. What motivated you on to write this book? Well, I get kind of fascinated about weird film stories. My first book was about this time Kim Jong-il in North Korea in the 70s. 
kidnapped these two South Korean filmmakers and oh, kept yeah. them for eight years, forced them to make propaganda films. And in this one, I'd heard about this guy. So I grew up in France. We had told the Lumiere brothers invented the movies. And in the US, people get told Thomas Edison invented the movies. And in both cases, that story is kind of cut and dry. Mm -hmm. But there's this guy I heard and read about called Louis Le Prince, who was also French, but he worked in England. And Le Prince made a film seven years before the Lumiere brothers, three years before Thomas Edison, and no one talks about him. And I remember hearing about him and thinking, okay, this sounds fake, but I'll look it up. And it turns out Le Prince, he made these films. These films exist. They can be dated pretty accurately because someone in at least one of the films died in October 1888. So it had to be made wow. at that point. He held patents. He held the first motion picture patents ever given out anywhere. His camera survives. His projector survives. The people who worked with him gave sworn testimonies about the work they did. The films survive. And so I was kind of baffled as to how this guy made movies before Edison, before the Mier brothers, and we've forgotten all about him. And it turns out Le Prince, before he, so he took these films and before he was able to make them public, he got on a train in France and vanished disappeared, never to be seen again, body was never found, never heard from ever again. And that meant his, his intellectual property, including his patents were frozen for seven years until he could be declared dead. Wow. And in that time period, here comes Edison with basically the same machine, makes millions, renews his fame, all of that. And Le Prince gets forgotten. Wow. So I got kind of obsessed with kind of trying to figure out who this guy was and trying to figure out what happened to him. Cause it's one of those Victorian mysteries hasn't been solved in a century and a half. Now was his patents applications on hold and that's how technically kind of Edison beat him or how did that work? Like I've heard of like the TV guy where like, yeah, maybe it was the phone guy. There was a guy who invented, I think both of those and didn't get it to the thing in time and, and someone else beat him to the, the filing or something. It was more kind of legal shenanigans. So mm. Le Prince's patents were approved and he held them and they were his. And what happened was once he was missing and not dead, his family weren't able to exploit them because they were in his name, not theirs. So oh, they wow. weren't able to enter into contracts or anything in his name because the law essentially held at the time that you either have to wait seven years or a body's got to be found or oh, everything wow. is on hold. You can't spend the guy's money. You can't use anything he owns. <laughs> Wow. And in the meantime, you know, just months after he disappears, Thomas Edison is in the newspapers announcing this motion picture device that works very much the way Le Prince's mm. machine worked. Mm. And the thing about Edison is he kept an eye on every patent application, every granted patent. He had library staff who cut out kind of notices and sent them to him. And already then he had a reputation for, you know, seeing a good idea and deciding to make it his. Yeah. So that's kind of how it started, but it took a few lawsuits eventually where this Le Prince family tried to restore their rights. Lawsuits that Thomas Edison won, again, with the kind of legal shenanigans he's become associated with. Yeah. Edison was kind of, you know, I, I grew up being, you know, fed the usual stuff of, you know, yeah. Washington cut down a cherry tree and, and uh, Thomas <laughs> Edison invented like everything, basically him and Benjamin Franklin. But, you know, since I've, you know, we've learned a lot about Edison, you know, uh, who was the inventor of the Tesla, Nikola Tesla, do I have that right? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff he took from Tesla and, you know, Tesla ends up dying broke, doesn't really get paid. You know, it seems like he was a... He was a real scallywag. Is that the right word to use in that time? I don't know. 
Maybe yeah, that sounds about appropriate. <laughs> yeah. The thing about him, right, is... So, yeah, there's the myth that he was kind of invented everything, was a genius, and it's kind of part and parcel of the American identity. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of the pushback of like, oh, no, he was a fraud. He didn't invent anything. He was a fake. And the thing I kind of realized is he was a lot more of kind of like the first Steve Jobs type. Mm. Where like he represented a brand and he was very well known and he was at this point in the story in his life at least kind of like a marketing figure like the way steve jobs would come out on stage and do those presentations edison would go into the papers and announce the future basically in the same way steve jobs had the black turtleneck and the glasses and the Mm. jeans edison had the like workman's chore coat and all that stuff and the thing with him was Kind of early on in his career, he invented a couple things that he legitimately invented and they were a big deal and kind of made him famous. And then by this point in his life, which is the eight and eighties, Edison actually kind of had a reputation as a guy who talked a lot and, and couldn't back it up. Like he would announce this fantastic stuff and he would make these grand declarations about, you know, we're 30 years away from being able to turn anything into gold and like we can make furniture out of concrete and, and I oh, can make sure. books out of copper and like all this weird grand stuff that he would never be able to deliver on. And he'd announce stuff before he was done. So like he'd say, I've got, I've invented the light bulb. Mm-hmm. We'll have ele- electricity in every house. And then it turns out two, three years later, he can really only wire up JP Morgan's house because he hasn't actually worked out how the grid works. <laughs> and so he had this lab of people who worked for him. And even when you talk about motion pictures and whatever he invented, he didn't invent it. This guy called William Dixon who worked for him invented it, Mm. but it was kind of a work for hire gig the way you would now, you know? Mm. And so he was kind of at the point where rather than coming up with stuff himself, he was so obsessed with finding stuff that would make money and finding stuff that would impress people into kind of thinking of him as the genius he used to be. Mm that he would do stuff like what you were talking about with the telephone where like he'd see oh alexander graham bell's invented this telephone thing mm-hmm. i'm gonna go to the newspapers i'm gonna tell the newspaper guys who are friendly with me that that thing actually doesn't work he's getting ahead of himself but oh. don't you fret i've been working on the telephone for years and i've almost got it cracked and then he would just change <laughs> one little piece on on alexander graham bell's model put that out and say see i have actually invented the telephone and the other thing didn't work. And if Alexander Graham Bell sues me, I'm just going to bankrupt him with my JP Morgan funded lawyers. And wow. I'm going to repeat this myth to the papers over and over again that I've come up with the telephone until it kind of sticks. Wow. And that's what he did. Not that different from a lot of CEOs today or like companies today. And like, you know, he hated unions and all that stuff. And oh, so, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't a total fraud, but he definitely had this thing of, of, if something is near the finish line or just over the finish line, maybe I can co-opt it if there's money in it. And he was that way about movies. Sounds like he was one of these people I always see. I call them carpetbaggers. And yeah. you know, we see that a lot in the social media business where, you know, when social media started out, like everybody and their dog got into it. Suddenly, overnight, everyone's a social media guru. And and then it became, I don't know, NFTs now are the latest things. And, you know, I just see people that switch, you know, every five seconds when there is something new, they're like, oh, I'm the expert on this. And you're like, it just showed up last week. How are you the expert already? Like, yeah. what's going on? And uh, I call them carpetbaggers because they just go from one trend to another and don't stick with it. 
And, you know, but podcasts are hot. We're in podcasting this week. I get that all the time. People call me up and they're like, yeah, that, you're, you're killing it on the podcast. I'm like, well, we've been doing it for 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we've gotten good at it maybe a little bit. I don't know. But so it sounds like he was kind of one of those guys. He was, yeah. There are Thomas Edison interviews that sound like that stuff. And he had an yeah. opinion on everything. And and Was he into Bitcoin? No, I'm just kidding. He would have been. Like, there's, there is a musky vibe to him. Do you know what I mean? There is, like, you know, the same way Elon Musk can come out and go, like, I've revolutionized transport. And you go, you've just done a death trap tunnel, really. Is there anything <laughs> else to this? Just Edison kind of had. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Edison, you know, like every time I see a video of that tunnel, I'm like, I'm never going to be able to go through that tunnel now without no. thinking what you just said. What's that Sylvester Stallone movie where they all get trapped in the one of the tunnels leaving New York? I remember watching it on a plane when I was a kid. And all I can remember is like the dark and the dripping water. I remember there was earthquake in the 70s. That it's I, something, yeah. you know, it was around cliffhanger age. Yeah. And every time I see one of the videos of that stupid Las Vegas monorail thing, we're like... <laughs> Like, really, all you've done is invented the subway, but deadlier. It's like a Simpson yeah. thing. It's a lot um, of seeing that thing sits on. <laughs> yeah, Edison kind of had that kind of vibe where he'd be like, I've invented this thing mm-hmm. and hadn't actually figured out how it worked and had an opinion on everything and had to give his opinion on everything. And, like, like he was worshipped. Like, he would there, – there's – at this same time period, he went to France and people, like, celebrated him like he was a king or a god or uh, he was really attached to this myth that he had the specific kind of genius that meant he could crack any problem and once he got to the point where he couldn't crack the problems and other people were cracking them instead of him that really kind of stuck in his craw especially because he couldn't help himself going oh yeah yeah i've invented the movies and you'd go okay but where's the machine then and he'd go, it's Good. affecting it. Yeah. Like, you know, my kid, when I talked to him about homework, like, uh, you done your homework and I see it and it's like, it's in the pile of papers somewhere. Yeah. It's in the, yeah. It's underneath yeah. my video game controller. Exactly. And the weird thing was, he had that reputation at the time. There are like newspaper cartoons where people kind of depict him as a con man or a circus wow. shyster because wow. they were like, he just keeps talking and he hasn't done anything in 10 years. And so movies was one of the ways that he thought, okay, this is big enough. Even though he didn't believe in it, he was one of those guys who was like, I'll entertain the plebs for six months and then it'll have to be something else. But he figured it was commercially attractive enough that it could kind of tampen down all that criticism. So this guy, Louis Le Prince, Louis Le Prince? Louis Um, Le Prince. You put in the title that he was murdered. When you first said that he got on a train and disappeared, I'm thinking maybe he's got a wife he's trying to, you know, fake a death yeah. and get away from or something. But you put in he's murdered. Tell us, uh, tease us out a little on that, if you would. All right. Well, here's the gray hook. So he had a wife and several young kids. Mm. And he legitimately was ready to premiere this invention. So his wife's in New York while he's in Europe and he's tasked his wife with like renting this, this mansion and preparing the premiere. And he's told his workman guys to pack up his bags and pack up the equipment. And he's booked oh. his, his travel over and he's ready to go. And then he gets on a train and he disappears. And then six months later, seven months later, Thomas Edison is on the front page of the papers going, I've invented motion pictures, which is virtually the first time he's ever spoken about it. Hmm. And the Prince's wife, widow, Lizzie, she reads this article in the New York Sun and she goes, that sounds an awful lot like what Louis was working on. 
she mm-hmm. starts getting visits from friends and telegrams and phone calls going, oh, that's, that's lovely. Louis working with Edison. I, I didn't realize that's great news. And so from that point on and kind of over time, the Le Prince family actually became convinced that Edison had, had something to do with getting rid of him. Wow. And that Thomas Edison was behind murdering him to steal his invention. Wow. And that's the myth that kind of stuck. The, the thing is, there's other options. Like, as you're saying, like he could have, you know, there's one theory that's actually the machine's not working. I've spent a lot of money. This is humiliating. I'm just going to, you know, kill myself and, and kind of save my honor. There's the option that Le Prince did the kind of thing that a lot of people did in the Victorian age, which is I'm just going to go start a new life somewhere else and do the Martin Guerre kind of thing. I tried to treat it kind of the way you would treat a cold case. I kind of, I, I was like, okay, if I'm going to be one of those kind of gray talking head cops in a Netflix miniseries, how am I approaching this? And so I looked at all of that and I looked at all the evidence and I hired researchers to go where I couldn't go. And I was like, okay, we're going to drop all the usual list of suspects and we're going to question everything. And the point I get to in the book that I feel about, about really strongly and has a lot of circumstantial evidence pointing towards is that he was murdered, mm. but not murdered, by who you ex- murdered and not by who you expect. Ah, maybe his Even wife though, had him murdered. Well, she, the one thing I'll say about his wife is that a lot, a lot of the account that we have about what his life was like at the end comes from her mm. and from the family. And so like, you'll speak to cops and they'll go, like, make sure you question the validity of where everything is coming. Mm. And so we did that. And so the conclusion I get to is definitely closer to home than Thomas Edison is Lex Luthor uh-huh. and had him rubbed out. So, um, so you think that's uh, kind of leading that way if people read the book, I guess. I think yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, the very last pages of the book are kind of me laying out my case. And I try and, you know, for me, when I read true crime, Part of the fun is trying to get to it before the author does. Yeah. And then see if you agree. So I kind of tried to like maybe play that out. Maybe Edison would see the, you know, the pilot, the patent filings, then he go get like a spy to work there in the crew. There and, are people who are con- there are people who are convinced uh, that he did that kind of stuff. And there's Le Prince himself originally worked in New York and then as far as it's documented, planned to go explore partnerships with people, including Thomas Edison. Oh, wow. And at the last minute went, I can't actually do that. Mm. We should be a lot more private about this, not talk to anyone about this. I'm going to go back to England and work over there Mm. and turn paranoid very quickly. Mm. And Edison did have a reputation for stealing. And obviously, you know, this is the age of of robber barons and and capital over everything. And so he definitely was fearful. that. Plus, there's no, I don't think they had fingerprinting back then, so... You know. No, they didn't. It was all rogues galleries, you know, it was yeah. all or or shots. CSI, you know. So it was much easier to get away with stuff back then, I guess. <laughs> For sure. I mean, that's the thing when I was looking at it, like if you disappear on a train, you're kind of between jurisdictions. And there was no they hadn't even thought of police work being investigative in any kind of way. It really was like huh. you know, because this is he disappeared in eighteen ninety, which is basically height of Jack the Ripper paranoia. Mm. And really what the cops knew how to do then was find a body, ask around. And then if you get a couple of witnesses who agree, then I guess that's it. That's the investigation that's done. And so like you see this a lot and like the Ripper stuff 
where there's a lot of cases like that one where they waste kind of six or eight or nine months. You know, like this sounds horrible, but essentially chasing around Jewish people because the two witnesses they ask are anti-Semites going, I bet it was the Jew down the road. And that's literally the extent of what investigating was. You know, Sherlock Holmes had just been invented. And so with Le Prince, he disappears on a train between Dijon and the south of France in Paris. And so he could be anywhere between those two places. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a thing that happened with him was his brother, who we saw in France, was the last person to see him alive puts him on a train, assumes he's in, he's on his way to America. Mm. The people in England and in America don't see him coming. And for a couple of weeks, they assume, ah, he must be staying in France a bit longer. Like there's no texting. There's no calling. There's no, Hey, by the way, you know, text me when you get there. And so it's like a month before anybody goes, before Lizzie goes, I haven't got his letters. Mm. I'm going to cable back and see if everything's okay. That takes a few days. And then the guys in England go, Oh, we thought he was in France. Well, cable over there. That takes a day or two. And so it's like a month and a half before anybody realizes he's even gone. Wow. And so like the trail's cold right away. So I we would, kind of had to go back and dig. I don't know. What about that brother, eh? He was the last one to see him. Isn't that usually how it works out? It's the last one to see him? I don't know. Yeah. Last one to see him. His brother-in-law had had financial troubles, mm. people said, and they were very, very close. Maybe he liked the wife. The wife was, uh, you know, some of that going on. I don't know. All of that. I tried to do it the same way you would like, hopefully, you know, like making a murder. You're going to talk to your friends and going, could it be that guy? Could it be this guy? I feel like I should have that 2020 guy's voice right now. And then he disappeared. Mm. That's Um, the end of every chapter. (laughs) Well, it sounds like this is an exciting book to read. Is is there any way that this wrong is going to be righted that, you know, he held the original patents, so therefore... We should credit him for that, or is it just a foregone conclusion of history? No, I think it'll come. Like, I think in England, over the last few years, even before the book came out, new new textbooks and new books have kind of started amending mm-hmm. the history of film to say, you know, Louis Le Prince made the oldest surviving motion picture. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, it's weird because it's kind of a moot point, right? It's kind of like, there's no financial benefit to it. It's yeah. not like anybody, you know, Edison made his money. That's done and gone. The medium's kind of available now. And so I think it'll it'll get there to where he's at least mentioned as, you know, the oldest movie we have is his. The oldest patent is his. And so I guess he was the first. But as you unpack who was the first, I think you also unpack how the way we define the first is kind of nonsensical in the first place. This would make for a good movie, and that and movies usually change, you know, the narrative on a lot of things once it becomes yeah. popular culture. So maybe this is, you know, set up for someone can take your book and turn it into a movie, and then you know everybody be like, "Hey, that is," and then got to keep an eye out for that guy. That's the stuff people remember. The book's been optioned for an adaptation, mm-hmm. and I always, when I was writing it, I kind of had the prestige in my head, you know, mm-hmm. the Christopher Nolan film, because everything about it has that vibe of like smoky workshops and back rooms and obsessive people and kind of being rivals almost against competitors. You don't, I mean, obviously in that movie, they're, they're obsessed with each other, but like Le Prince and the people inventing the movies, they knew other people were trying to invent the same thing, mm-hmm. but they didn't know how far along they were, how they were going about it. Or so there's a real vibe of like racing a ghost over your shoulder. Yeah. This would be, this is really cool to see on the big screen and, and the details of it and the who done it. That, that or you can hire that guy, like I said, from 2020, who has that voice. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
where he's like, and then, you know, so he's got that yeah. voice. So uh, you could have a, at least have it on that show. That would be fun to have. Anything more you want to tease out in the book before we go? No, I mean, it's really cool, you know, and beyond the whodunit part of it, there is a really positive kind of cool vibe around the whole thing. You know, it's a part of, of the 19th century where people were inventing stuff left, right, and center, and the world was changing in a way that's very similar to, to how fast it's changing now. And for anybody who kind of likes the movies or loves the movies, there is also a cool experience to getting to know Le Prince. You know, everybody who is considered to have invented film, be it Edison, the Lumiere brothers, all these guys, they were industrialists and they thought of it as a toy that would make money for a while. And Le Prince was the first guy to have been like, oh no, this is going to change everything. We're going to be able to see how people oh, yeah. live on the other end of the world and we can teach people stuff with it. And, and, you know, he had sketches for cinemas, basically he called them people's theaters, but he was like, oh, we're wow. going to all get together and watch this stuff together and experience life beyond mm -hmm. our own life. And he had this kind of like faith in it. The way, if you love movies, you have faith in the movies. And cool. that's really cool to read about. And it's also one of those stories where like cast the cameos is massive. You know, Queen Victoria pops up, Buffalo Bill pops up, Nikola Tesla oh. pops up. It's it's a really cool, sprawling kind of experience if people are into that kind of thing. This is definitely going to be interesting. People love a whodunit sort of thing. And they yeah. love mystery and, you know, CSI and all that sort of good stuff. So uh, this will be very interesting. Give us your plug so we can find you on the interwebs. Again, yes, it's paulfisherauthor.com. You know, you can read what I'm up to send a message, anything that I, that I read myself. And then on Twitter, 10 cents, seven, seven. And, and that's about all I've got the time for. There you go. Thank you for coming on the show, Paul. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks so much. Thank you. Very insightful. Take care of yourself. There you go. Uh, guys, order up the book wherever fine books are sold. But remember, stay out of those alleyways. Uh, you might get a, need a tetanus shot if you go in there, and you might get robbed. So go into the good stores. The book is called The Man Who Invented Movie. I'm sorry. The Man Who Invented Motion Pictures, A True Tale of Obsession, Murder, and the Movies by Paul Fisher. Thanks so much for tuning in. Go to YouTube.com for just Chris Foss. Hit the bell notification button. Go to Goodreads.com. For us, Chris Foss. See everything we're doing on LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time.